Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice Chianti. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this week, uh, trying something a little different. I never made this before, and I got to tell you, it turned out really, really good. I enjoyed it immensely, very flavorful, not, I mean, time-consuming, but not exceptionally difficult. What we're doing is we are making Korean beef bao buns, steamed bao buns with a, like a Korean marinated beef and accoutrements. And uh, it's the first time I've ever made bao buns. The preparation, the marination, the marination, the marinade, the marinating of the beef is very similar to, I believe, the um, duck breast bulgogi that I did, I don't know, maybe it was about a year ago, maybe less than that. But the buns, new experience for me. I was a little skeptical of the cooking process. And uh, tell you what, they turned out fantastic, really good, really surprisingly good. So in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover uh, the preparation of the buns and the beef, because that's like the core of this dish. But in the show notes, I will have the recipe for three of the accoutrements, the, uh, what is it, garlic, ginger, aioli, and pickled carrots, and just very lightly prepared cucumbers that go on these little, these little sandwiches, but they're really good. So, um, yeah, check out the show notes. We'll have uh, the, the plain text recipe for the buns, for the beef, for the pickled vegetables, for the aioli. And we'll have a link to the imager album. They'll show the step-by-step for all the all this stuff. You'll definitely want the visual aid for laying out the bun dough because I don't know how to explain it exactly. But you look, it's like, oh, there, there's a picture. That's exactly how you do it. Perfect. And then you get these nicely little folded steamed hamburger buns for, for lack of a better description. We'll have that in the show notes. Um, let's see, links to special equipment and ingredients. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but when I'm putting the show notes together, if I think of something that you need, I mean, you definitely don't want to have a blender, I guess. You don't need a wok. I did use a wok for the steaming, but you can steam on anything. And uh, the ingredients are fairly simple. I mean, I was able to get everything from rice wine and mirin. Those might be a little uh, dodgy depending on your grocery store, but I found them at mine, so you'll probably find them at yours. But let me tell you what, these were incredible. So let's get started. You'll want to have a decent amount of uh, forethought. This isn't something you just whip together last minute because our beef, we want to marinate this for anywhere from eight to 24 hours ahead of time. So that's something to get started the day before. And then the bow buns uh, all in will take approximately six and a half hours, more or less. But they're not super hands-on except for right at the beginning and right at the edge. <laughs> so you got a lot, of, a lot of waiting time in the middle. But let's, uh, let's go with the beef first because uh, we can get this started the day before. And then on the day of, we just have to make our buns. All right. So listen, traditionally, if you can find Korean cut spare or not spare ribs, short ribs, Korean cut or flanken style short ribs, or even chuck flap, something like that. I mean, they all come from a similar part of the cow. I could not find those. But what I was able to get were these thinly sliced New York strip pieces. It said it was for like Philly cheesesteaks. 
but it wasn't thin enough for that. Like that should be closer to shaved, like shaved ribeye, shaved ribeye, uh, might be a little too thin, but these were like, you know, a quarter to a half inch thick and it was New York strip. It was well marbled. You know, I, I, they probably, I don't know, put a gash in the strip loin and had to do something with them instead of cutting them into steaks. So I got two packages of those and they were, they were great. They're in, um, the marinade will tenderize this a little bit. So if you're using something from the chuck or short rib, you know, the, the acid and everything in the marinade will penetrate there and it'll soften it up. But if you use a, a, a more tender cut to begin with, it'll also be really good. So I use that, that sh uh, thinly sliced strip, but uh, the canonical example would be Korean cut short rib. Okay. But we got some of that, but Let's talk about the marinade here. For the marinade, our ingredients that we'll need is um, one pear, okay? But the recipe calls for an Asian pear. They tend to be bigger and rounder, kind of shaped like a large apple. So I used two smaller pears. Uh, I think it was like a Bosch and a sickle pear or something like that. I'm not sure. But um, they were small, so I used two of them. But, you know, one large pear, two small pears. That'll work. You'll want those to be um, peeled, uh, the flesh cut off of the core, and then cubed up a little bit, roughly, because we're doing this in the in the blender, so you don't have to worry about the knife work too much. We'll need a half of a medium yellow onion, one ounce of fresh ginger, and you want to peel that as much as you can. It doesn't have to be super clean because, again, it's just going into a marinade. It's going to be blended together. If you got a little bit of the skin and the ginger root on there, you're not going to notice that. Uh, in the in the wash, so to speak. Four cloves of garlic, one and a half cups of soy sauce. I, you can use a reduced sodium, you can use a full sodium, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, one cup of dark brown sugar, three quarters of a cup of mirin, ha a half tablespoon of crushed red pepper flakes, and and then your 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 meat, whether it's you know like two and a half pounds of chuck flap or short rib or strip loin, or shaved ribeye, if they don't shave it super, super duper thin, whatever. All right, so that's what we're gonna start with. What Start with uh, your, your pear. You want that peeled cord cut into, you know, small cubes, large cubes, whatever, get those into the, uh, into the blender. Same with your medium yellow onion. Uh, you can dice that if you want, or you can just kind of chop it up so that it's not like one giant half of a softball of onion that you're throwing in there. The garlic, the ginger, get all those into the blender and give them a little pulse and they'll kind of form a, it's almost like a paste, kind of like a porridgey sort of texture. And then add your soy sauce, your sugar, your mirin, basically everything you're going to add to this marinade, blend it up until it's smooth. And then in some kind of a, a baking dish. You can use one of those corningware casseroles. You can use a brownie pan. You can use whatever. Pour a little bit of this marinade in so that it kind of fills the bottom. Lay your beef in uh, in a single layer. You know, put some more marinade on top of that. More beef, more marinade. Yeah, just layer that up like a big soupy lasagna. Uh, you can cover it or don't cover it, whatever. Um, you do you, it's your fridge. <laughs> but refrigerate that for, you know, eight hours, 12 hours, 24 hours. I mean, 24 hours would be, it could be convenient if you, if you throw this together after dinner on Thursday and then make it for dinner on Friday, you get close to 24 hours there. You'll be good to go. Maybe, maybe you want to do it Friday into Saturday because you want to spend all day Saturday making your bow buns, baby. Okay. 
<laughs> so, so that's how we get our um, our beef uh, marinated. And when it comes to cooking these, uh, we'll jump ahead to the cooking process. But you got a long time in, in between now and then. What I did was you just pull those strips of beef out of the marinade, and then with your opposite hand, you know, you kind of make that that scissor, you know, rock paper scissors scissors with your index and middle finger, and just squeegee that marinade off of the beef, and then lay it out on a platter ready to cook and uh, then discard it you know you're gonna have about a half a gallon of marinade there it's gonna feel like that i don't know how much it actually is uh, but you're gonna get rid of it because you don't need it no more you took everything from the marinade that you wanted and you left everything that you don't so you can pour that down the sink or into the garbage or in the turlet whatever you want to do but get rid of that marinade and let that beef uh rest a little bit while you prep your pan and what we're doing is a cast iron skillet or like a big, basically a big flat pan, something that has a lot of surface area on the bottom so that you can cook as much of this beef as you, as possible without crowding it. Like we want to get a nice sear on it. We don't want to boil it or steam it or anything like that. So I use a cast iron pan and I could do between three and four pieces of beef at a time to get it nice brown and crusty on the other side. And then I would remove it to a clean platter and just sort of shingle it all over there so that it stays warm and it mellows out super delicious uh, because it's thin you don't have to really pay too much attention to oh i want it to be medium rare or i want it to be medium well or anything like that you're not going to be able to gauge this i mean we're talking like a quarter inch of beef and we're trying to get a crust on it it's probably going to be medium well to well but it doesn't matter because it's marinated it's delicious it has lots of flavor and it's tender it's fantastic okay so that's your beef. Oh, whenever you're cooking that, depending on the thickness, depending on, you know, how hot you can get your stove or whatever, my beef basically took less than five minutes, four minutes, realistically for some of the smaller pieces, two minutes on each side. Um, and then, and then to rest while I moved on to the next batch. But you know, if you're working in shifts, you might have anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes of cooking time, depending on how much of this you are making. So let's switch gears and talk about these buns. And then also you got to remember, check the show notes for the recipes because the aioli, uh, the pickled carrots and the cucumbers, I'm not going over that because it's they're one, they're super simple Two, It doesn't require any skill. It's sort of just like here ingredients, put them together and wait. You know what I mean? Mix this stuff up, <laughs> mix this stuff up and put it in the fridge until you're ready. No big deal. All right, so let's jump into the buns, the bowel buns. First time I ever made these, and like I said, I was definitely skeptical of the cooking process. Steaming these buns for eight minutes seemed like it would not be nearly long enough, given the fact that the recipe is just real simple. It's similar to almost like Amish white bread. And with Amish white bread in low form in an oven, you know, a 375 degree oven or 400 degree oven, you're looking at 40 to 45 minutes of baking time. But then whenever you make these into uh, bun size, bun sized buns, fun sized buns, got them. I'm going to digress into a whole like uh, Dr. Seuss routine here if I, if I don't stop myself, but whenever they're into these, this bun size, just blasting them with 212 degree steam for eight minutes is enough. It is. I promise it works against all odds. Okay. So what are we doing here? Ah, so this recipe, 
I'm going to give it to you the way I looked it up here, which is in um, like a metric units of, you know, 525 grams of flour and all this stuff. And I did measure this out, but I'll convert this to imperial units, you know, cups and teaspoons and tablespoons and all that kind of stuff for the printed recipe. But 525 grams of plain flour, I think that ended up being somewhere in the neighborhood of two cups. Okay, it, it felt like two cups, but I didn't. I didn't actually measure the cups that I was putting into the bowl on the scale because I was just looking at the scale. So it might have been three cups, might have been two and a half. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll figure out what that is. Um, then we do have some in, in regular in regular uh, American units here. One and a half tablespoons of sugar, one teaspoon of dry active yeast, you know, your, your Red Star, your Fleischmann's, whatever, 50 milliliters of milk. And I do recall that that was just under a quarter of a cup. Okay. Quarter of a cup of milk, one tablespoon of a neutral oil. Uh, they recommend sunflower oil, but you know, I'm not, not big on the seed oil. So I used uh, an avocado oil, which is it's neutral. It's clear. It's, it's easy to work with. Uh, one tablespoon of that one tablespoon of rice vinegar. Now for this one, what, what kind of rice vinegar do you want to use? You got your plain, all natural rice vinegar, and then you have your seasoned rice vinegar, which is um, sweetened and it has other flavors. And I just use the plain because these, these buns kind of, they're, they're like the tortilla of, of Korean cooking, I believe. And I hope that that's not problematic to say, but basically it is a canvas that you're going to paint with flavor and sustenance. And we don't, the texture of the bun in its, its neutrality is kind of the draw. You know what I mean? It's kind of like sometimes when you have a burger, you just want like the most innocuous burger bun possible because you want the burger to shine. But other times it's like, hey, I want a King's Hawaiian roll as my burger bun. Those are different scenarios. This, we're going with the plain Jane bun. We don't want any extraneous sweetness or flavors. Like we don't want it to cross the line into confection. <laughs> okay. So one tablespoon of plain rice vinegar and one teaspoon of baking powder. And this is uh, that might be surprising how we utilize this because to make the dough, we're going to mix together the flour, the sugar, uh, a little bit of salt, half, half a teaspoon of salt wasn't listed in the ingredients for this. And then I'm just filling it in afterwards, a little bit of salt, also about two cups of water, um, to make the dough also wasn't listed in the ingredients. I, I like to think that that means that it's a more, um, legitimate recipe because, they were like, here's the things you need to know. And you should already know that you need a half teaspoon of salt and two cups of water. Although they did, they did say 200 milliliters of water to, um, to make the dough. It might actually be less than two cups. I'll have to do the conversion on that also. But anywho, anywho, in the mixing bowl, we're mixing up the flour, the sugar, the salt. Uh, we're dissolving the yeast and just a pinch of sugar into like a tablespoon, two tablespoons of, of room temperature water to wake that yeast up. Okay. Once it wakes up, once it starts foaming, then you're going to add that to the flour mixture with the milk. Okay. You're going to add a little bit of, a little bit of oil, like a, a tablespoon of the sunflower oil, but you're going to have, you're going to use that sunflower oil later in a different application as well. Add the rice vinegar and the 200 milliliters of water. Basically you're adding together everything here, except for the baking powder. The baking powder doesn't actually go into the dough yet, which is the, uh, the surprising aspect of this. Now you can mix, you can mix and knead this by hand if you want. 
but if you have the uh, stand mixer with the dough hook attachment, makes it much easier because then you don't have to do it by hand. And this is a very, it's a soft dough. It's a very spongy kind of dough. It's a little sticky. So um, not using your hands is uh, preferable. So use that dough hook and let that go for a nice 12 minute kneading time. And if you are a little high on the moisture, if you have to add a little bit of flour to tighten it up and actually make it form a ball, you can do that. And if it's too dry and it look, this should be like, like pizza dough, you know, like really billowy and spongy and not super dense, not like a, not like a pie crust, you know what I mean? So keep an eye on it as it's kneading in the bowl. And if you have to add a little bit of liquid, go ahead and do that. If you add a little bit of flour, go ahead and do that, whatever. But you're going to get a nice, smooth, um, pillowy sort of ball of dough. And then you're going to uh, remove that from the mixing bowl into a lightly greased uh, other mixing bowl. <laughs> Again, use um, the avocado oil to grease the bowl. Put the ball of dough in there, cover it with saran wrap, leave it out on the counter. Two hours, two hours to rise. It will, it probably not quite double in size, might get close to doubling in size, but it'll get real nice and smooth and soft and beautiful. And it will retain its ball shape. It won't be like a batter. It won't be as loose as a white bread dough because that can be like really almost like cake batter, but it will, it'll just be stay puffed marshmallow, man. It'll be cherubic in appearance. But then after that two hours, you have your dough. It's proofed. It's ready to go. Turn that out onto like a counter and punch it down and spread it out. And what I mean by that is like, you're not rolling it out. Like you don't have to use a rolling pin and yeah, a rolling pin. Did I say rolling pid? P-I-D? That's weird. A rolling pin. You don't have to do that. You also are not spreading it out like you're making a pizza. You basically just want it to be more or less flat. So you like an inch thick. And it'll spread out to, I don't know, a 12 inch diameter sort of a circle, but you're spreading it out to increase the available surface area on the top. And then we're bringing in that baking powder, the baking powder. And we're going to sprinkle that over the top of the dough, all over the surface. And then we're going to knead it for like five minutes. Again, uh, knead it by hand if you'd like. But to get a really thorough incorporation and a thorough knead, I threw it back into the uh, stand mixer bowl and kneaded it on low with the dough hook for five minutes. And what that will do is, one, it'll make it more glutinous by stretching those gluten uh, protein chains during the second kneading process. But it will also incorporate that teaspoon of baking powder throughout the uh, dough. And what is the purpose of that? I... I don't know exactly. I'm going off the top of my head here, but a long time ago, I made some like super duper homemade ramen, like where I made all of the stuff from scratch. I made the noodles from scratch. I made the broth. I made all the accoutrements that went on to, I was just like putting all kinds of stuff in there. I was like, oh, we're going to bedazzle it with, with pickled vegetables and, and semi-cured meats and yada, 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 yada. But in making the noodles, what I had to do was make alkaline noodles, which was to take I believe that was baking soda and not baking powder, but baking soda and bake it in the oven for a little while to like activate it. And then that baking soda went into the, the noodle dough. And I believe that alkaline noodles, they hold up to the broth better so they don't get like super smushy and they, they won't like dissolve into the broth if, the, if it's in there for a long time. So what I, my suspicion is, 
is that adding this base, this alkaline ingredient to what is at its core an acidic dough, right? We have milk in there. We have rice vinegar in there. Like the dough is acidic. One, it should neutralize some of that acid. And then whatever alkalinity does in baked goods and in flour-based doughs or whatever, um, it makes it more resilient to humidity and moisture, which since these are steamed buns, that seems like it's, that's good. You know, I think what it is, is it, I don't want to say hardened because these are not hard. These are very soft dough, but it hardens the, the, um, the surface and makes it less tacky so that it's not like gluey. Cause I think if you just took like white bread dough without the baking powder step and you steam that, it might be very similar, but I think it would stick to the steamer basket ridiculously. So like these stick a little bit, but then they, they kind of break free relatively cleanly. Whereas I could definitely see like an an unalkalined dough just becoming a mess, just becoming like wallpaper paste. I don't know. Uh, maybe if we have some scientists in the audience, they can chime in on that. But anyway, this the second kneading process happens with the baking powder, and uh, that's going to make a real nice sort of a soft, slightly drier, like baking powder, baking soda, like those things, they do have like a, a desiccating quality to them. Um, but then after that is, has kneaded for five minutes, pull it out and roll it out into like a long hot dog sort of shape. And it will be very long because this is a substantial amount of dough. This is enough dough to, I mean, realistically, I mean, I think I made 13 buns, but the recipe is so that you can make 18 buns, but I was kind of eyeballing the, the portioning of it once I rolled it out. So I only made 13 and I mean, who cares? I didn't need 18. I had a bunch of them left over. But you roll out, roll this out into a long, skinny log. They say three centimeters in diameter, uh, which is like, yeah, what is that? An inch, an inch in diameter. I think mine was probably an inch and a half, inch and three quarters, something like that. But roll it out into a long, skinny log, and then with a with a knife, with a with a bench scraper, something like that. You want to cut those into little little log segments, roughly one and a half inches in, in length and diameter. And then with your hands, roll those into a smooth ball and then lay them out on um, uh, what's it called parchment paper and just let those rest for like two minutes. They're not going to rise a lot, but what we're going to do is we're going to settle down those, um, those gluten proteins and let them relax a little bit. Cause look, we just needed it for five minutes and then we're rolling it out into a log, cutting it into segments, rolling it in our hands. Those gluten chains have been exercised a lot in the near past. They need to catch their breath. (laughs) So lay those out, let them sit for like two minutes, five minutes, whatever. And then we are going to essentially produce our buns. And this is where you want to look at that imager album to see what I'm talking about here. Because basically, okay, you take that ball of dough, mush it down between your hands, and maybe stretch it out so it's a little bit oblong. And then now using your rolling pin, roll those out into an oval, you know, approximately, again, I'm stuck in, I'm stuck in metric units. It was like, I think three millimeters thick which is um, half the thickness of an iPhone, more or less. Americans will use any uh, unit of measurement to avoid uh, using the metric system. But um, yeah, so basically roll those out into flat ovals and then brush the top with your neutral oil, in this case, avocado oil, sunflower oil, just brush the top. And then I used a, like, 
I don't even know if it was actually a chopstick. It was just a chopstick-shaped bamboo rod, kind of a dowel type of thing. Lay that in the middle of the dough bun and then fold the bun over the chopstick, slide the chopstick out, or you can pick it up off the counter, lay it on your parchment paper, and then slide the chopstick out. So that what you have is basically you rolled the dough into an oval, and then you oiled the top so it won't stick, and flipped it over to make like a deflated Pac-Man, more or less. And do this with all those balls. Like I said, I had 13 of them, so that's what I did. Rolled them out, oiled them, fold them over a chopstick, lay them out on parchment paper, and then cover those with a damp terry cloth towel, you know, a tea towel type thing, and let those rise for an additional hour, okay? They're not going to rise a lot. They're kind of just going to swell a bit in size, um, but they're not going to, they're not going to like puff up into big, you know, dinner rolls or anything like that. Then in your steaming vessel, now you can use, you can use a pot with a steamer basket in it. I mean, I just bought a steamer basket specifically for this because my steamer pot, like with the insert and everything, it's great. It's wonderful for doing things like steamed vegetables, but it doesn't have a whole lot of surface area. So like in that, I might be able to do three buns at a time. Whereas if I did the steamer basket in a wok, I could do five at a time. And you put a little bit of water in the bottom there, get that boiling, lay your buns in there. So if they're not sticking, if they do stick, it's not a big deal. Like they'll, they probably won't fuse together. They'll just kind of like be adhered a little bit and you can kind of peel them apart. Lay your buns in there, cover that with a lid and steam those for eight minutes. And it doesn't seem like it would be long enough, but I promise you it is eight minutes. Perfect. Then you take the, take the lid off. The buns are going to be very hot. Okay. So if they're, if they're a little bit adhered to the steamer basket, use a pair of tongs and kind of work it under there and just try to gently uh, remove them. And then you can put them on a, a, a towel or on a baking sheet or something like that and kind of keep them close together so that they keep each other warm so they don't cool down too much. And you work in shifts until you have all of your buns steamed and you throw them on there. So for 13 buns, it was like 24 minutes of steaming more or less because I did it. I was able to do it in three, three batches. And then uh, because you oiled the top before you folded them over, they will open up easily. Like they won't be a solid mass of dough. You can open them up a little bit. And uh, then when the rest of your stuff is ready to go, you can just lay in a piece of meat uh, or, or, you know, butter the butter, quote unquote, butter the bottom of butter, the bottom of the bun, butter, the bottom of the bun, butter the bottom of the bun with some of that aioli, throw a, a leaf of lettuce in there, your meat, your pickled carrots, your cucumbers, uh, hit it with, you know, just with a little bit of sesame seeds and uh enjoy i mean these are so good and what's great about it is you can eat a whole bunch of them but after a couple like they are very satisfying like i think i ate four of these and uh at the end i was like yeah that was that was the appropriate amount of food that was enough but as light and fresh as they are you would think that like you could eat a dozen of them and still be hungry but not it, it's very satisfying um it's a good a good ratio of like the fresh, bright flavors of the pickled vegetables and the aioli. Oh, the aioli is so delicious. The beef is sweet and salty and just meaty and umami and wonderful. And then the buns, 
just, uh, it's like, wow, I can't believe this is real bread. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it seems like it, it would be like, um, the marshmallow fluff of, of bread. It's incredible, very light and wonderful. <laughs> I can't, I can't say enough about it, but, uh, and then of course, you know, you don't have to do with beef. Uh, you could, I could definitely see that marinade working just fine for pork, like pork belly. In that case, maybe I would do it in the oven to really crisp up the fat and render it out a little bit more rather than doing it in a pan. But, you know, a pork brisket cut really thin would be really nice. Even pork loin, if it has a nice fat cap on it, that would also work fine. But yeah, pork, beef, I mean, honestly, might make these with venison in a week or two once I, you know, cut up my deer. Those would be interesting to say the least. I might turn up some of the quote unquote brown flavors in the marinade, you know, maybe add a little bit of, um, uh, a little bit of hot sauce in there in addition to like the mirin because I don't think that the the chili flake would come across as like spicy like you would want to cut into that the gaminess of like a wild game or something like that but this was uh incredible absolutely wonderful and I will certainly be making this often especially if you do the preparation and, and get your marinade started the day before literally all you're doing is 15 minutes to make the dough and then a lot of waiting and then maybe a half hour to make all the individual buns at the end of the uh, at the end of the process and then cooking the protein is super simple i mean two min two minutes per side and depending on how many people or how big your pan is or whatever you're looking at maybe an hour of of actual uh hands-on dinner preparation at dinner time um but aside from that uh yeah it's it's not nearly as complicated or um, uh, time consuming or is involved as what it would as what you would think if you're if you're looking at it in totality of like oh this is really this really takes more than 24 hours to make but it's it's not it's super, super simple so give this one a try it is fantastic and inexpensive also the most most expensive thing was the beef and the only reason I got that was because I couldn't find thin cut uh, short ribs but I mean throw in some some pork or like uh, some chuck or yeah, I mean, if you've used thinly sliced uh, round steaks from 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 beef, that would be that would be fine too. Um, you can drive those costs down considerably. <laughs> so, all right, give that one a shot. Uh, you will absolutely be enamored with the outcome, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.